going to read two verses real quick. We read these verses last week. This has been the theme of last week's message and this week's message. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The words of Jesus. His invitation to you this morning to come and follow him. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. The great invitation is before us this morning. And Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We're focusing on leaving the old and going into the new. Lord, thank you for your word. Strengthen us now as we look at it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Wow. It just gets better and better. And I am so blessed and thankful. Question for you this morning. Who did you grow up idolizing? Who was the first person you looked up to? Well, maybe it was a sports figure. Maybe it was... Um, Somebody in your community, who did you grow up wanting, here, here, here's the phrase, who did you want to grow up to be like? I will never forget my very first, I want to be like him when I grow up. We're going we're gonna to test you guys, See, we're going we're gonna to discover some of our ages, but we're going to test some sports fans out there. You ready? Here it goes, the 1977 World Series, Game 6. Bam! Troy got it. 1977, Game 6 World Series, number 44, Reggie Jackson. As I was a 7-year-old, 6 or 7-year-old, sitting down watching that game, and Reggie Jackson hits three home runs in one World Series game. He breaks the record. And for the next 10 years, I was like, I want to be like Reggie Jackson when I grow up. I grew up on baseball in the late 70s and early 80s, but New York Yankees, Atlanta Braves. But Reggie Jackson was always one of my heroes, along with Dave Winfield, Greg Nettles, and Dale Murphy, and Bob Horner. Am I, am I, ringing, am I ringing the bell for some of you guys? Back in those days, I always wanted to, to imitate them, to be like them. In our passage this morning, and, and it, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 5, we're looking at verses 1 through 21. Paul's going to start this verse off with, be imitators of God. Follow after Christ. He's going to tell us this morning to make the focus of our life as we move forward in life, to be like Jesus. That's the goal. That's the mission, is that you and I live fully devoted lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. But let me tell you something now. When you begin that journey, and, I, and hopefully many of you are on the journey now, there, there's um, landmines along the way. There's things that will, and we're going to look at them this morning, there's things that will wreck your life. There's things that will wreck your walk with Christ. There's landmines along the way. The journey of living the Christian life, there's things that will that will destroy your witness, that will wreck your fellowship with God. Not to say nothing can't be restored, but there's things that get in the way. When we come to Christ, the old life, we leave it behind. We leave it behind. It's called repentance. It's called turning away. 
That's why that verse, I opened up with that verse. I said, it says, if anyone is in Christ, um, if, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. The new things have come. When we come to Christ, this is what you do with that past. You ready? You go. You let it go. You let it go. And you behold the new life that Christ has for you. And if you don't, if, if we don't let that old life go, you know what happens? It'll turn into a rattlesnake. It'll turn into a rattlesnake, and it will come back and bite you. It will come back and bite you. The sins of the flesh will wreck our Christian life. They're like a snap. They're, they're, they're like, they'll come back, they'll bite, and, and they'll wreck your life. So that's what we got to do. we got to get to a point where we let the past, where we repent, let it go, and we move forward in our new relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's look at verse 1. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Guys, this is not, this is not science. This is simple. Jesus is our example. Jesus is our model. We study his word. We study what his word says. That's why we, we give a lot of attention to the study of scripture at Calvary Chapel. We study his word. We look at his life. And we follow suit. We follow suit. It's that simple. We look at what he does when he lived on earth. And we follow in his footsteps. Now, in the context of verse 1 where it says, be imitators of God, you have to look at the verse before and the verse after. Look at the verse before, Ephesians 4.32. He says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, here it is, forgiving each other, just as God and Christ also have forgiven you. So being an imitator of God, we show the world what it means to forgive. We, we show the world what it means to walk through reconciliation. We show the world what it means to say, Brandon, all those things that you did against me, I forgive you. I forgive you because Christ has forgiven me. It's all about forgiveness. And then the verse after verse 1, look at it. He says, in verse 2 of chapter 5, he says, walk in love. Walk in love. Walk in the love of Christ. The same love that Jesus exemplified and demonstrated to his disciples to the woman caught in the act of adultery, to the woman at the well, to the lepers, to all those that did all those things in the scriptures, we walk in that same love. That's what he's talking about when he says to be an imitator of God. Are we imitating? Are we reflecting? This is where we want to be. This is where we want to be. Now, this is just the tip of the iceberg because Paul is going to dig into it even more as we go into the text and we see those things that will wreck your life and wreck my life and, and wreck anyone's life who pursues to follow Christ but lets these things creep back in. We repent, we let go, we move on, and we look forward, not backwards. Look at verse 3. This is the first sin we leave behind. And if you don't, it will be a rattlesnake and it will come back and bite you. Verse 3. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you. As proper among the saints. What's he talking about there? He's talking about sexual immorality. That word immorality, the Greek word is pornea, from which we get the word pornography. He's talking about forni uh, fornication. 
And the first way that sexual immorality will wreck your life, number one, always number one, is it's a, it's a sin against God. It's a sin against God. It's a, the seventh commandment says you shall not commit adultery. Uh, the commandment is talking about the physical act of adultery. But Jesus stepped it up even higher. He said it was said of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks with lustful thoughts commits adultery in his heart. Now, they're not talking about saying someone's beautiful or saying someone's pretty. Okay? We all, people do that. That's normal. But what he's talking about, when he's, he's talking about undressing someone in your mind. He's talking about the fantasies and the lust. That's what, that's what he's talking about. So the number one way immorality, sexual immorality, will, will wreck your life is it's a sin against God. It's a violation of the uh, seventh commandment. The second way immorality will wreck is this one, guys. It wrecks marriages. Man, there is, there, there is, there's, there's, all sin is sin. I got that. I understand that. But there's certain sins that really go deep. They go deep and they go painful. And that is the sin of sexual immorality in a marriage. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to do everything we can to protect our marriage and to protect our sexual purity in our marriage. The pain goes for a very long time. It's a long road to recovery. It can, it can be forgiven. Things can be reconciled. God can restore it, but it takes a lot of time. And, and immorality amongst the saints, it can, it can, it can wreck your life, and we've got to leave it behind. We've got to let it go in the past. Bring it under the throne of grace, repent, turn away from it, and say, God, I'm not doing that no more. I'm not living there. The third way, the third way, uh, sexual immorality, which I believe is what Paul has in mind. It's, it's, not, it's what he has in mind here. The third way it wrecks um, our Christian walk is this. Studies show the more partners a person has, the more difficult it, it is to bond with a future spouse. It's like each time someone has sex, it's like putting two pieces of tape together. And the more you put them together, the less stickier it gets and the more difficult it is. It can be done, okay, with God's grace and, and, and a husband and wife committed together. But still, our sexuality is, 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 is a, is a um, gift from God for a husband and a wife in holy matrimony, okay? God has given us this wonderful, exciting, fulfilling gift we call sex. And it's God's gift to a husband and a wife. And I challenge you this morning, and I encourage you all this morning, that if you're married, protect your marriage. Protect your marriage. <clears throat> Don't listen to that lie. Grass is not greener on the other side. Protect it. Guard it. Fight for it. Husbands and wives, defend it. Man, we're in this thing for the long run. We're in it till death do us part. Protect it. If you're not married this morning, exercise self-control and understand this that um, you have a gift. You have a gift for your future spouse. You have a gift for your future spouse. And if you violated God's commandments, if you find yourself guilty of this, bring it to his throne of grace. Bring it to his throne of grace. Our God is a forgiving God when we repent and we confess it to him. Amen? So the first thing that wrecks your life as a Christian is, is sexual immorality, impurity, uh, greed, um, 
Let's look at verse 4. Verse 4, we're going to see the second sin that we leave behind. And if you don't, it will come back and bite you. Number 4, verse 4, excuse me. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather of giving thanks. The second sin that we leave behind if we don't wreck our life is this one. And this is a tough one, okay? This is hard. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm fixing the, some, fix, some people are fixing it. Oh, oh, you got me there. Foul language. Foul language. People ask me, is, is, is cursing okay? Is it okay to curse? I would take them to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4. There must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting. Uh, it's talking about foul language. He's talking about profanity. I looked at the definition of the word. It's uh, socially offensive language. And I would also include in this foul language using God's name in vain. Using God's name in vain. Dragging his name through the mud and using it as an inappropriate curse word. Has no place in the Christian life. We leave that old language behind. Go back, look at the previous chapter we looked at last week. Look at verse 29 of chapter 4. Paul's re-emphasizing these things in Ephesians 4 and 5. But look at uh, verse 29 of chapter 4. He says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Guys, our mouth has a new mission when we become a believer. The things that come out should be things that build people up. Things that help people. Things that encourage people. You know, let, hopefully your prayer today is you find yourself in this area. Man, I've, I've let some things slip. I've said some things I shouldn't have said. Lord, help me. Help me today to work in that area of my life. Help my words. When Dalton's coaching those boys on the football team, let your words encourage them. Let them have it when they blow it because they're football players, but let your words build them up and encourage them and propel them to the next step. Amen? So let's let our words build people up. If not, we'll say things that we regret, that they'll wreck, it. They'll wreck, our, they'll wreck our Christian witness. Um, verse 5, verse 5 and 6. Let's, read, let's check those out. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. The third thing that we leave behind, and if we don't, we'll wreck our lives. If we, if we don't cut ties and let it go, is, is in general, Paul is talking about here in verse 5 and 6, he's talking about the old life. He's talking about there's a departure from the old way of living, Okay? We don't live the same. The old is gone. The new has come. Let's look at these words here in verse 5. The first one, he says, let no immoral. I talked about that a while ago. Uh, no immoral person. He, the, the Greek word is pornea. He's talking about fornication. He's talking about sexual immorality. We repent and we let it go. We live pure lives sexually. That's what we're called to do. And if we violate them, if we break his commandments... We bring it to his throne of grace, and we quickly repent. The second one, he says, or let no, no impure person, impurity, a cardatheos, it means unclean, 
dirty. He's, he's talking about, he's characterizing the sinful life of rebelling against God and going directly against his commandments. It makes our hearts unclean. It makes our hearts dirty. I don't want a dirty heart. I don't want an unclean heart. My prayer is, Lord, help me grow in this area. Help me grow in these areas of my life. This is called maturity. This is called growing up and being the person God has called you to be. And God will give you his grace. Let me repeat that. God will give you his grace to help you grow in these areas. As you surrender to him, as you submit to him, as you spend time in his word, as you spend time in fellowship, God will help you grow in these areas. Accountability, you know, talking about fellowship. There's accountability when we gather. Us men, me and Rick, meet for breakfast at Panera Bread. We haven't done it in a while, which we need to. But we look at each other, how you doing? How you doing? How you, you know, how's things going in your life? But there's accountability. It takes place. But anyway, we leave impurity behind. The third one there, he says, or no, no covetous man, plenoketus. It means greed, driven to have more. That's, that's, what, that's what coveting is, is greed, is driven to have more. When we come to Christ, man, our hearts are completely satisfied with him, with him in your life. If you have Jesus, you have everything, okay? If you have Christ in your life, you've got everything you need. Now, don't get me wrong. There's things I need to take care of in this life, and there's things I want. I was telling my wife this weekend about some fishing rods I want and some things I want for Christmas to put on my Christmas list. And I, and, and I do want and desire those things. But ultimately, in my heart, I am complete in Christ. And I don't, there's no need for coveting. There's no need. There's this, we, we live in a world that's characterized by this, this coveting, this, this drive to have more. It's called uh, step or be stepped on, eat or be eaten. That can't be said amongst believers. That's not our hearts because our hearts are completely content in Christ Jesus. And the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all those other things will be added. He'll, he'll take care of my fishing rods so I can go grab my stripers at the tower. Amen? Amen. The fourth one there, I just want to just drive these home for a minute. The, the fourth one there, he said, the final one, he says, uh, no uncertainty. It says, no immoral, no impure, no coveting, uh, no idolater, no, no idolatry. Idolatry is worship. It's when we place other things before God. The signs of a believer that's maturing is that Christ is number one. Christ is number one in my life. Jesus, my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is above my wife, it's above my family, it's above everything. My devotion and my obedience to him is first and foremost. That's what we're talking about now. This is, remember I said, it can be difficult when we lead the old and we step into the new. That's where he's taking us. That's where we're moving towards, is where we're completely satisfied with him and where he is number one. And then he says, uh, you know, when you look at all these, he's talking about a lifestyle. He's talking about repentance. He's talking about repentance. He's talking about leaving it behind, letting go of the past. You know, as believers, we can't say, well, grace will cover me. 
That's okay. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this sin forward. I'm not going to continue in this lifestyle of sin. That's not what the Bible teaches. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, talking about um, continuing in sin after we've come to Christ. This is what the scripture says. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. He says in verse 2, May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? There's this moving away and leaving the old life behind. And God's grace, we call it sanctification, grows us from point A to point B, and we move it behind. And then notice in verse 6, he says, Let no one deceive you with empty words. In other words, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. There is a new life, there's an old life. In the new life, we're moving towards Christ. And we don't continue, we don't stay in the past. Verse 7, verse 7 in our text this morning says, Therefore do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. I love what Paul says there. I love it. He says, you were. He says uh, in verse, verse 8, he says, you were formerly in darkness. And what he's talking about, if you remember my sermon from last Sunday, from the last half of Ephesians chapter 4, talking about the former old ways, the, the way we were in darkness was three ways. Our minds, our hearts, and the way we lived our lives. Before you come to Christ, our minds are darkened. We don't understand the gospel. We don't see it. Our hearts are dark because we don't see the beauty of the gospel. We don't respond in the, in the way we live our lives. But now, he says, you're no longer in darkness. What he's saying here is, welcome to the new world. Welcome to your new life. In verse 9, for the fruit of the light consists, your, your new life in Christ According to scripture, according to verse 9, it consists in goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's what we want in our lives. The truth of God's word. Righteousness in our homes, in our families, in our nation. The Bible says righteousness exalts a nation, but sin brings it down to shame. That's what we want. That's what we want in this, in this new life. Who doesn't want goodness in their life? We want good things. We want a good life. And I believe God offers that to us when we get saved and we, become, we come into a right relationship with Christ. Out with the old and with the new. Out of the darkness into his glorious light. That's where we're moving in our relationship with him. Verse 10. Verse 10, he says, uh, Trying to learn... What is pleasing to the Lord, some of your versions uh, uh, say finding out, some of your versions say testing, some of them say proving uh, what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. I love verse 10 and 11. I feel like, I feel like it, it's saying where I've been going with this message. In verse 10, in verse 10, we're pressing forward, 
trying to learn, the NASB says, some of your versions say, finding out, testing, proving what is pleasing to the Lord. In other words, we're pressing forward to find out, to discover what is pleasing to the Lord. And how do we do that? By what we're doing right now, getting into the word and getting into fellowship and listening to preaching and listening to teaching and letting the word get into us. And and remember I said a while ago, we don't look back. Look at verse 11. Look at verse 11. Verse 10, we're looking forward. Verse 11, we're not looking back. It says, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Question for you. Why would we look back or desire what happened in the past or what will wreck our life? Why? We have this thing inside of us called the flesh. There's this, there's this war in every single one of us between the spirit and the flesh. And the flesh desires to go back to the things of the flesh. And we have to submit our, our lives to God, yield to the Holy Spirit, and say, you know, I'm going to walk in victory. I'm going to submit to the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to let the Holy Spirit lead me over uh, these desires um, of the flesh. We, we look forward. We don't look back. And Paul says, for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. In context, the church at Ephesus, it, it, and they were surrounded by, by, by a pagan culture, much like we see today. The temple of Artemis was there at Ephesus. Gross immorality, lascivious living, according to Ephesians chapter 4. And Paul says, we don't live like that no more because we've come to the cross. And God has a standard, and we live by that standard, and we pursue that standard. That's how we press forward, and we don't look back. Verse 13, he says, but I love this, verse 13 and 14, when you put them together. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. Verse 14, for this reason it says, awake sleepers and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Friends, God sees everything. God sees everything. You know, don't think you can hide it. You know, those those times in my life, where I was, I was walking in rebellion, and I thought I could hide it. And I, I may have hid it from some people, but one person I didn't hide it from was God, was the Lord. He's the one thing that we can't hide nothing from. And here's his invitation. Maybe, maybe you've got something in your life you're hiding. Here's his invitation to you. Here's his invitation. He invites you to come clean. He invites you to come clean and repent. Take it to his throne of grace. Repent, make, recon- make reconciliation with the Lord by bringing it to his throne of grace. That's what he invites you to do. And he's, for this reason he says, awake sleepers and arise from the dead and Christ will shine in you. He's talking about someone that's living separated from God but coming into the light. But he also could be talking about a believer who needs revival. Leave it, repent, turn away, turn to him and let him revive you. Let him bring you back to life. That's what our God is in the business of doing. Reconciliation, forgiveness, and new life. If the world saw what the Bible had, what the Bible offered, if their eyes were open, every church in our land would be packed to the gill 
if they understood what he offers. Forgiveness, a new heart, a new life. It's not just some dead, dry, religious creed, but it's a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And he offers us to come clean and live with that clean heart. Verses 15 through 17. I love verses 15 through 17 because the Apostle Paul, he's going to give us um, some proverbial statements here. Let's check them out. That's Proverbs. Proverbial statements, Proverbs. Verses 15 through 17. He says, therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do you see all those proverbial statements in there? He says in verse 15, he says, be careful. Be careful. How? How you live out your life. We need to be careful how we live out our life. Verse 16, make the most. Make the most of what? Make the most of your time. You know, we don't, we don't live forever on this earth. We don't live forever on this earth. We have a certain allotted amount of time, and everything we need to do, we can do for the Lord. We need to do it and manage our time well. Verse 17, he says, do not, do not be what? Do not be foolish, do not under, but understand what, the, uh, understand what the will of the Lord is. Basically, in these verses right here, what he's telling us is, if you put them all together, he's saying, Be sober. Be sober. And please think clearly about your decisions. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Be sober and think clearly about your decisions. Understand this. Your decisions and your actions have consequences. We need to understand that. We need to think before we act. I can't tell you how many times in my life I have gaffed this and wish I would have gone back and did it the right way. Where, where I didn't think clearly and I, I stepped out and did something and I made a huge mistake. If maybe this morning you're facing temptation. Let's just, let's just throw one of them out there. Maybe you're here this morning and you're facing a temptation. Maybe it's sexually, impurity. Maybe it's one of these big ones we're talked about. I heard a professor once say this in one of my college courses one time and it's always stuck with me. And, I, and I'll preach it. You'll probably Every time we go over the subject, you'll hear me say it. And it's this, magnify the consequences. Magnify the consequences. Think about your actions. When you're tempted to do something wrong, stop, take a deep breath, think clearly. And and also in that thinking clearly, think about what's going to happen on the other side. And hopefully a lot of times when you think about what's going to happen on the other side, that will encourage you to think soberly. And to think clearly and make a wise decision. Be careful how you walk. Make the most of every time, friends. Do not be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. Let those things sink in deep. Amen? Verse 18. Verse 18 here, he, he says, uh, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Every time a Bible verse comes up, on alcohol, people, first thing people ask me is drinking a sin. I do not believe drinking is a sin. I, I'm not going to lay a guilt trip on anyone who chooses to have a beer or a glass of wine. Um, I, I don't see it as a sin. Now, it can become a sin. 
Is, is, is the act of drinking a beer or having a glass of wine, is that a sin? No. I, I think that's just perfectly fine. But here's where it can become a sin. It, can, well, it says here, one of them is right here, which is, um, it says, do not get drunk with wine. So, we, you know, we, it, it would be a sin to become intoxicated. But the greater sin that, that if you want to connect with alcohol is not the sin of drinking itself, but it's, it's becoming a stumbling block. It's becoming a stumbling block. That's where, um, that's where I believe it becomes a sin, is when we cause someone else to stumble. But other than that, I think it's, t- it's, I think it's fine if somebody wants to have a glass of wine or a beer. Or, you know, that's their decision. Um, they're adults, and they can make that decision for themselves and their families. Now, I know godly men on both sides of the aisle, okay? And we just got to be graceful. We just, we just got to show grace. We can clearly say it's a sin to get drunk. We can clearly say it's a sin to become a stumbling block to another brother, but that's as far as I would take it. That's as far as I would take it. But but I love what he says, though, verse 18. He says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But what does he say? On the contrary, there's a better wine. There's something better to drink in the house. And the, the, the better thing to drink, it says there, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit fill your heart. Let him fill your emotions. Let him fill your life. Be yielded to him. That's better. That's ten times better than anything else that we could put into our lives is, is being yielded and submitted in, to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Verse 19. Another beautiful verse. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Now, I, I was like, okay, when I get this verse, how am I going to preach it? How am I going to teach it? You know, I could talk about the importance of corporate worship, which is very important. I could talk about you in your daily life, singing songs to the Lord, turning up 89.7 and jamming to the Lord while you're going down the road, lifting your hands and praising the Lord. But the, the thing, and y'all know all those things, but the thing that, um, that I wanted to talk to you about this morning on verse 19 is this first four words. The NASB says, speaking to one another. How do we speak to one another? By gathering and spending time with each other. There's something that is just special. It's, it's, there's something so important about coming to church. It's not about church attendance or, or getting your name checked off. But it's about gathering with other believers. Sometimes we can't make it to church on Sunday. Cool, no problem. But gather with some believers during the week. Grab some friends and go out for a cup of coffee. Go out for a cup of coffee. Go out for some fellowship. Gather, gather with your family. But there's something important about speaking to one another. There's something important about um, rubbing shoulders with other believers. It helps us in our Christian walk. The times I've spent with Blake... Friday night, we had all the cables laid out, and we're wrapping everything up for the worship team. Just that hour I spent with Blake, just talking with him and fellowshipping with him, it was such an encouragement to me, just being with other believers. So carve some time out of your schedule and make sure you're around other believers who can speak into your life. And more importantly, you can speak into their life. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody with your heart to the Lord. Worship is important. I love worship. I love where our worship team is, is, 
is going here at Calvary Chapel Armour. And by the way, we're homegrown. Do you know what I mean by that? We're homegrown. We, we, we started this church four years ago uh, with just four people. We met at a restaurant on Harbison Boulevard. So, hey, let's start a church. We, our church was given no money, zero, not a zilch. You know, I took my previous, my previous um, offering check, and I went to Bank of America. We opened up a checking account. Then we went to borrow some tables and borrow some chairs and borrow a sound system and borrow this and borrow that. And then we went to um, Lake Murray Gymnastics. Then we went to Dutch Fort Middle School. Then we came here. And, and that happened in every area of ministry here, including our worship team. Dina and Brandon visited. They came and stayed. Blake and Amy and everybody else on the worship team. We just started coming together and just putting it together piece by piece. And it's been beautiful. It's been beautiful. Um, so you guys on the worship team, y'all do a wonderful job. And we're very thankful for you guys. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Very thankful for the worship team that comes up here and leads us. And me and Irene, we, we meet, we've met with the worship team folks, and, and I can testify to these guys that, that they are um, walking the talk or talking the walk, whatever. You know what I'm saying. They're living the life. They're living the life. When we first started this church, I was, um, I think I was at, I think I was at one of the kids' um, little karate things and 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 this this guy was there and he was like uh man i can come lead worship i i got i got i play at the bars till 4 a.m i can go home take a shower and i can come in i can do the gig when he said that to me i was like well we're not a gig <laughs> we're not a gig this is not something we're gonna just pay someone to come in but anyway you guys do a wonderful job thank you for our worship team let's, let's wrap this up verse 20 and 21 always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Always giving thanks. Be thankful. Be thankful. You know what that is? That's called contagious Christianity. Be thankful. Be thankful to God that he has redeemed you, that he has rescued you, and that he's brought you to where you are today. Always giving thanks for all things Give thanks to God for your mother, your father, your family, your church, your neighbors, your job, everything. Be thankful. Give thanks. Be thankful for what he has done in your life. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father. And it says, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. There is a dynamic in the body that the only way I can describe it is by what the Word of God says. And that's the Holy Spirit uniting us and bringing us together and making us subject to one another. We help each other out. You are family. We are family. When one hurts, we all hurt. When one's uh, rejoicing, we all rejoice. Amen? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, thank you, Father, for the clear warnings we see in Scripture of things that we are to avoid, things we are to leave behind. Lord, help us to do that, God. Father, I pray for each and every believer here this morning. Maybe in their minds they're thinking, 
that they've blown it and and they're so far away. Father, I pray that you would show them grace. Remind them in their hearts and minds that all they got to do is bring it to your throne of grace. Repent, turn from it. God. And Father, for any areas of people's lives where they're facing temptation, I pray that, Father, through this message this morning, that you will encourage them and you'll strengthen them to be able to turn and go the other way, Father, to repent and to step completely into the new and leave them old things away. Leave the old behind. In Jesus' name we pray, Father.